Hey everyone, you're locked into Nobody's Perfect, the place to help all of us understand where we might take a misstep or two. Others' mistakes are often the best teacher, from executives to job seekers and everyone in between, so let's let them be our what-not-to-do guides. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and co-hosting with me today is Lynn Molitor. You can hear Lynn as host of Points of Interest in the World of Employment here on localjobnetwork.com radio. Lynn, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for letting me sit with you today. Definitely. It'll be a nice perspective, a little different format for us. And the topic we're talking about that's on the table is gender segregation and the role women play in this particular issue. Speaking with us from the Wharton School of Business in Pennsylvania is Professor Matthew Bidwell, Ph.D., an individual who has researched this subject area. Thanks for once again bringing us your insight today, Matthew. No problem. Nice to be here. And really just jumping right into the topic, it's somewhat consistently discussed in terms of differences in pay and career opportunities when you're talking about men and women specifically. And one aspect is this idea of gender segregation. When you looked into this, how would you break that term down? What were you looking at exactly? So gender segregation is basically the phenomenon whereby men and women tend to be in different jobs. I mean, the the kind of the bigger picture that everybody worries about is, and it's come up a bunch in this election campaign, women make less money than men. If you look at the population as a whole, You'll see the average earnings for women, those women in the workforce, are substantially lower than the average earnings for those men in the workforce. I think around 20% lower, give or take. And obviously, we worry about what's going on there. It turns out that a major contributor to the gap, probably about half of the gap, comes from the fact that men and women tend to be in different jobs. Mm. And obviously, what that means is that women tend to be in systematically less well-paid jobs than men. So... One example would be um, kindergarten teachers tend to be women. Many men, male kindergarten teachers, many great male kindergarten teachers, but generally it's more like you know, a much higher proportion of kindergarten teachers are women. On the other hand, there are some jobs like software engineers, where again we see a mixture, but there's a much higher proportion that are men. And so what a lot of people are interested in is particularly given that these differences seem to be consequential for pay, why might it be that we see you know, very different proportions of men versus women in different kinds of jobs? And it's interesting you brought up those two examples because that's exactly what Lynn and I were talking about. I actually taught for a little while younger grades, and yes, you're right, the, those younger grades are predominantly female, and, and Lynn was in the, the opposite realm. What did yeah. you do again, Lynn? I, um, I grew up as a computer programmer. Right, twenty so. some years ago. <laughs> so, and you're, so you're speaking exactly to that point, and that's part of the reason that this was an interesting subject. And in terms of this research, you looked at, from what I recall, over twelve hundred men and women that were entering the job market, graduating from a large, elite, one-year international MBA program. Why was that seen as the best group to analyze regarding this topic of gender segregation? When you think about why men and women might end up in different jobs. There are kind of two dominant hypotheses. One is that it's discrimination. Mm. Women find it harder than men to get the best paying jobs because they're discriminated against on hiring. There's there's a lot of face validity to right. that. I mean, you see you see a bunch of court cases where you know, there's strong evidence that discrimination takes place. And there's also just the sense of, yeah, right, so women prefer to get jobs that are less paid than men. I mean, <laughs> doesn't doesn't sound right. The other hypothesis is that men and women just prefer different things. So kind of to take up, you know, the the two professions we've talking about, you know, it may be the case that women generally prefer spending time with children than men. It may be the case that if you look around the kind of teenage bedrooms of America, you are finding 
more boys who are obsessively hacking and writing code than you are girls. It, it could be the case. So there could be differences in preferences as well. And obviously, which of those is driving these decisions has huge implications for how you think about it. And so what we really wanted to be able to do was to at least try to start pulling apart those two different explanations. So to what extent is this being driven by men and women applying to different jobs? Or to what extent is it being driven by employers' decisions once people have applied? In order to do that, we wanted a large population of people in the process of applying for jobs so that we could um, we could look at what they applied to and what jobs they're offered. And so getting people entering the job market for the first time, from particularly from a university, is a nice way to mm. do that because you get to follow people through the application process and see both sides of it. And so, yeah, I think that's why we chose um, to do it at a university and for various reasons, the business school is just more accessible to us. Okay. I think something you touched on too is with all of our shows here, we are speaking obviously in, in generalities and that this doesn't apply to every person, obviously. But as you've said with, with your work, a, a lot of the, your business work is in the academic area and research and, and that it's important to at least examine these things, maybe see why it's happening. That's precisely really what you're doing here. Now, despite maybe finding that right group that you're researching, in what ways might that not be conducive in terms of relating it to the general population? You know, an MBA program obviously is pretty advanced and, and there's a certain group of people that are going to go into that. So how how does it actually not relate maybe to the general population or how can it, I guess, is, would be the better question? That's a very important question. It's hard to know. I mean, there are two issues that are very salient to us in thinking about this. First of all, it, it's a highly skilled population mm. with a lot of options. I think give or take the salaries of the jobs that they're going into are around the $100,000 mark. And actually, I should also say that, that we carried out this research in 2007 before the recession. So right. pretty much everybody's getting a job. There aren't obvious reasons to believe this should shape things very differently than lower skill workers, but without doing the research, it's hard to know. I think the other place where you'd worry about how this would apply to others is a lot of the issues that people talk about in this segregation area and that, that we talk about as well are based on stereotyping. This sense that you know a certain job is fit for people of a certain type. Sure. People have an ideal in mind of what a worker in this profession should look like, which happens to be gendered. Most of the jobs that people in this setting were going into were kind of fairly masculine-oriented, jobs that have traditionally been, been male-dominated. And so it's very hard to know how the results would apply to, to jobs that were much more gender neutral. So, yeah, that, that's a long way of saying good question, <laughs> not really sure. <laughs> right. No, and I think pretty much understood that that was going to be, you know, without doing intensive research over periods of time, you're not going to find that out. But um, you bring up that point of just stereotypes and, and you know, what people see as who is in that job. I think that does also play into this. Now, in terms of your findings, and how it relates to, quote unquote, the real world, I guess, what were some of the main things that you did come away with in terms of the results and some of maybe the, the factors that played a role? The main thing that we found, so we, we split up the sample or we, we split up the data to look at, first of all, the jobs people are applying to and then having applied, who got offers. We found big gender differences in the application stage, but not in the offer stage. So we didn't find any evidence that having applied for jobs 
women were more or less likely to receive a job in the kind of fields that we looked at. What we did find was that they were applying to systematically different kinds of jobs than men. Um, the big difference is they were much less likely to apply to Wall Street type jobs than were men. And they're also substantially less likely to apply to consulting jobs. Amongst this population, kind of the other class of jobs they're going into are kind of general management jobs, things like marketing, HR, maybe some of the kind of finance functions or accounting within large corporations. And so women are more likely to go into this kind of general management jobs, less likely to go into finance and consulting, and less likely to because they weren't applying. And when we really dug into the data to try and see why were they less likely to apply, there seemed to be three um, factors that shaped their decision. First of all, women seemed to be less likely to apply to jobs that looked like they had poorer work-life balance. Um, so what we basically did was, you know, we knew for each job that somebody had accepted how good they thought the work-life balance was going to be. And so we used that basically to rate entire classes of jobs in terms of their work-life balance. And we found that those jobs with work-life balance, women were less likely to apply to compared to men. The second thing that we found was that for one set of occupations in particular, those in finance, women thought they were much less likely to be offered a job than men were, and that put them off applying. One of the interesting things was that actually if women did apply, there was no difference in the um, probability they'd be accepted. So it seemed like they thought they were less likely to get an offer when that wasn't actually the case. And then the third piece was we also found just if you ask people what jobs they identified with right at the beginning of the program, where did they think, um, where could they see themselves working, where was it important to them to get a job? Women were less likely to say that about finance, less likely to say that consulting, about consulting, much more likely to say that about, um, about general management. And with finance in particular, I think uh, they were less likely to identify with consulting, it seemed a lot because of the work-life balance issues. So mm. consulting jobs traditionally have been a lot about getting on planes four days a week to go out and visit clients around the country. Students recognized that and were not attracted to the work-life balance. Um, finance was more mixed. And in finance, we think the reason why they had such a terrible, why they struggled to identify with it compared to men, we think is because of the stereotypes about finance that it has traditionally been seen as this very macho, aggressive, competitive environment, which fits less well with stereotypes of how women are supposed to behave. Mm -hmm. I had a question. Did you um, did you look at how um, the women had these thoughts initially? It must have been back in high school or when in college when they were deciding what degrees to even pursue. Uh, where did some of these thoughts manifest themselves, do you think? That's an interesting question. I don't know. I mean, the, the research tends to suggest that these are quite long-term processes of people. In a sense, people think about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, how that fits with their aspirations and so on. Um, you know, so Larry Summers, the president of Harvard, got into terrible trouble for <laughs> for making comments along these lines. You know, maybe maybe men and women just think and behave differently. I do have to say two young children, a son and a daughter, they conform to these stereotypes. Our son's really interested in reading about soldiers and trucks and our daughter is much more interested in kind of people <laughs> and that sort of thing. So it's hard to know where that comes from. And, but to the extent to which it's a cultural issue, you know, it 
it starts pretty early on, I think. I mean, the interesting thing in our sample is they're all people in an MBA. And so the actual kind of career decisions that they've made that shape this don't really come into play here. Every one of them, by dint of being in the MBA, is pretty well qualified to apply to any of these jobs. And they're go-getters. I mean, they're high achievers if they've yeah. they've gone for their MBA. Yeah, so the decisions previously aren't constraining them that much. It really is, okay, now I'm here. What is it that, what job opportunities am I going to pursue? And that's where we see gender differences, even though they're kind of in the similar starting out point. In terms of the work-life balance, it seems like that's kind of a, a general... I don't know, important issue that is even affecting men in a lot of ways, but obviously it shows maybe in, in certain cases, women still have that perceived more importance. At least that's how it's kind of laid out. Is there something to that? Is there a particular factor or a difference between men and women that points that out? I and mean, is it a, a matter of children or marriage or because there's a lot of talk of more women being the breadwinners nowadays, more so than you know 20 years ago. Are there any factors that point in that direction why this difference would be in terms of the work-life balance? Historically, surveys of how people spend their time have found and have continued to find that women spend a lot more time on housework, looking after children and so on compared to men. And I think a lot of the evidence is that this stuff really kicks in around having children. Up till that point, the the housework, the the family responsibilities are pretty manageable and compatible with having a demanding job. Once you have children, as those of us with children know, it becomes a great deal more difficult. And so historically, the domestic responsibilities have fallen much harder on women. Again, why that should be is a difficult question. You know, a lot of people would point to these kind of cultural stereotypes that we bring with us, these kind of baseline assumptions about you know, how women are supposed to behave, you know, what gender roles are, what it, what it means to be successful as a man, what it means to be successful as a woman. Those things have changed a tremendous amount. There is no doubt that these days men are much more likely to play a more substantial role in bringing up the children and all those sorts of things. But still, again, when you look at the evidence from surveys of how people are spending their time on, these gender gaps are persisting. And you know, from that point of view, it would make sense that the people who ultimately expect to be spending more time on domestic responsibilities might mm. factor that into their decisions. Do you find that there was a generational component at all in uh, what you um, were studying, given uh, you know even 20 years ago to... Uh, today between uh, the differences between working men and women and the children that they're raising for the next generation of workforce? So it's not something that we're able to look at. We kind of have a snapshot Uh, one cohort in time. It's a really interesting question. I mean, there have been a lot of professions that have seen massive entry of women um, over time, particularly some of the more some of the professions, certain medical specialities that have become much more, um, I've seen many more women enter um, the legal profession. I think many more women are, are getting JDs than used to. Um, and so all of these things you know, operate in multiple levels and you know, they start to reshape some of the practices that go on within those organizations. They reshape how people think about them, some of the stereotypes and all those sorts of things. So on a broad level, this is fluid. Um, again, I think on a kind of a some of this work-life balance stuff, there's been some progress, but it's there's still a long way to go before there's anything like equality in most of these areas. You know, another aspect that you had mentioned that played a factor in how 
either women did apply for the jobs or how they felt towards them was this idea of identifying with that position, that job. Why does this seem like it, it does matter so much to people? And one of the examples I have always brought up is the idea, especially in America, when a, a, a male is a nurse, people just seem off put by that a little bit like, oh, like, it, it just seems a little odd at times. So what what is it that makes us as humans, really, but women in this specific research, want to be able to identify with that position, when in reality, as you mentioned, they're perfectly capable of, of performing the same duties. As you pick up on it, I think there, there are two aspects to it. One are these kind of external social pressures. What will people think of mm. me? Will people look down on me? Will people feel you know, that, that it's inappropriate for me to do this? And I, there are some people who believe that people are, in a sense, penalized for behavior that, that deviates from what's seen as right. normal. Um, so a woman doing a job that's seen as a man, there may be some sort of um, penalties that she pays. And you know, I think that's been a staple of fiction and movies over the years. Um, you know, in the early years, if you were one of the first women firefighters, for example, that was probably right, a tough job. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, even above and beyond how tough it is to be a, a woman firefighter. And similarly, um, there's that Ben Stiller movie, Meet the Parents, where they have a certain amount of, you know, <laughs> exactly. a certain amount of issues of, wait a minute, he's a male right. nurse. So, you know, I think there can be a component of what will people think of me? There's an internal component as well, which is I think we all have images of how we want to see ourselves. And those images, there is a certain kind of gendered component to that, that you know, I think you know, boys are brought up to feel they should behave in a certain way, that this is the appropriate behavior for, for boys and kind of to feel good about yourself. It helps to kind of continue to conform to those stereotypes. And so I think there is also kind of a, a desire to remain consistent to, to our world image. You know, if being macho is important to you, then there may be certain jobs that are kind of, you know, less that are about caring for others and less about kind of competition and individual achievement that you may not, you know, may not sit so well with your self-image. Um, and similarly, if caring for others is very important for you, then certain kinds of work, again, you, you may yourself value less. And I think the argument is that a lot of those ideas about, you know, what's a good, what makes a good person, um, you know, how should people behave? You know, there are strong cultural norms around that that are linked to gender. Again, maybe less so today than they used to be, but, but still we have these kind of gendered right. stereotypes. So is it fair to say gender segregation, which I like the term, I wasn't familiar with the term, so I learned that it's not good or bad. It's just an observation. I mean, there is, I mean, I think there's a certain kind of vive la difference feeling to this. I'm not sure if we're allowed to use French anymore. But, um, <laughs> I guess it's okay, as long as you translate. Yeah. But kind of, you know, hey, people are different. That's great. Everybody should be allowed to be different. If women want to do different things than men, why should we prevent them? The problem is that these are less well-paid jobs. Okay. So I think if we saw in general that men and women preferred to do different kinds of work and those kinds of work were valued equally and received equal kinds of rewards, then I think we could kind of say that, yeah, it's an observation, it's not a problem. I think the fact that it correlates highly with how jobs are paid makes people very nervous that there's something deeper going on here. Having a more equal distribution across occupations might be important for gender equality. But it's not to say that just because certain 
professions tend to be appealing to women, that that's the reason why they may be compensated less than other? There is some research that takes a fairly strong view that that's the case, ah. that we kind of tend to... Because historically, women weren't valued in the workplace. I mean, I mean it's... It's both hysterical and frightening to read things on gender that were written, were written 100 years ago. Which well, I'm, gl- took I'm glad it was 100 years and not 20. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you know, we come from a past that took it as read that kind of women were incapable of doing all these things that we now know they're just as capable of as doing as men. And so given that, there is this concern that, that women are less valued. And so we have this automatic approach to kind of devaluing work that that's being done by women and so that segregation may actually contribute to kind of differences in pay differences in rewards hard to really prove that i think but but there's some very interesting work along those lines and so you know there can be feedback the other question which i think is interesting is you know is that how attractive these occupations are to men and women may in some senses be circular if you've got a set of jobs, which may happen to be very highly skilled and very highly paid, that's dominated by men, the work may get structured in particular ways that tends to accentuate those components that are more compatible with male stereotypes and less compatible with female stereotypes. And so there's some there's a guy at um, University of Pennsylvania, Jerry Jacobs, who has a nice book talking about the medical profession, which has seen a huge influx of women. Some of those specialities, which have seen the bigger century of women, so OBGYN, those sorts of things, have also made a lot of progress in restructuring the work to make it more family friendly. And so, you know, whereas we might think some of these jobs are inherently not family friendly, that may not be the case. It may be that here we've got a job that is otherwise very rewarding, where in some sense women are being kept out because there aren't enough women in it to, you know, really pound the table and say, this is a stupid way to organize we could do this work just as well in ways that would also be compatible with you know, other things that are going on in our lives and will make it a lot more gender neutral. And so I think there's, you know, there's partly the concern that jobs may be devalued because they're women's work. I think there's partly also the concern that you know, there are some jobs that are very rewarding that women are being kept out of because they're male dominated, where actually the inherent characteristics of the work don't make it necessarily the case that this is a job that should only appeal to men if that makes any sense. So 20 some odd years ago, I enter computer programming through the School of Business. And I went to school and my goal was to get that four-year degree and I wanted a good paying job. And you know, back then it was like, oh, computer programming. And I actually was in a class, I'd say that was 50-50 female and males. And a lot of my you know, my coworkers who turned into friends at the time, we advanced quite a bit throughout our organization. You know, we started out as computer programmers. What's interesting today is, you know, 20 some odd years later, we're looking for computer programmers and they're not coming out of the, out of the colleges and they're primarily male. I'm like, where did the shift happen? What, you know, what happened that, um, you know, we were all very capable women, you know, analytical skills, math skills, but somehow along the line that didn't come out as a career for that women could, you know, grow and thrive in. That's interesting. I mean, there is some research also 
people do these very simple experiments where they kind of just get people to choose which clubs to go to and so on on the basic kind of the posters that they put in the room. And I think if you put a lot of Star Trek posters in the room, <laughs> um, women are less likely to say this is something that I, that I'd be interested in. So some of these kind of some of these cultural cultural stereotypes do kind of pertain. But it, it, it's interesting. I haven't heard of many of these professions that are kind of going going backwards in terms of kind of women's entry. So. Uh, it's a really interesting example. Yeah, and I don't know if, you know, I don't know if that's the case for the industry, but just what we're finding in our city, so to speak. Just interesting. Yeah, definitely. Well, for now, we'll have to table this discussion on women's role in gender segregation here on Nobody's Perfect. Our expert guest has been Matthew Bidwell, Ph.D., professor at the Wharton School of Business. Also joining us today has been Lynn Molitor host of Points of Interest in the World of Employment here on localjobnetwork.com radio, helping to bring a little different perspective to the table. Now, with gender segregation being such an important dynamic in the world of employment, this is just part one of the conversation. Go to localjobnetwork.com and click on the radio tab near the top of the screen. In the on-demand section, you can find Women's Role in Gender Segregation, part two, to get more details on the cultural aspect of this subject, especially perception and stereotypes. Also, if you have any comments or suggestions, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. I'm Tim Muma. Remember, nobody's perfect, so please watch your step.